is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon Drummond, host Dan No Nick, uh, dividing and conquering. It is his weekend off, as you and I have been uh, sharing weekends off this summer, kind of what we told everyone. Uh, we got to balance it out. We've done a lot this season. It's been a long season, so work-life balance. I mean, look, maybe some Mai Tais, maybe some frustrating rounds of golf. He likes that. He likes frustrating himself with golf, <laughs> so that's probably on the cards. And uh, I'd imagine some bourbon, and all hard-earned for uh, wonderful and uh, at least relatively young Nicholas uh, getting that opportunity to really rest and relaxate before the uh, coming season. That's right. So anyways, he's missing out because we have big time friend of the pod, Naz, jumping in with some transfer and summer updates. How you doing, Naz? Yeah, I'm good. I'm a bit refreshed. I've been on holiday, um, you know, had my Nick light break in the south of France. Um, and yeah, I'm terrible. Sounds awful. Yeah, I'm fresh, though, guys. That's the main thing. You know, uh, I'm going to be bringing some good energy to this pod. Yeah. At the end of the last season, I was I was in bits, but now I'm back. I get it. <laughs> understandable um all right well look obviously we're going to be talking about the latest on all things chelsea including the current mood at the club and the latest transfer rumors ahead of a busy summer tour uh that's right now is going to be hanging out in the us of eight sounds like with us so definitely be on the look uh look welcome ba- welcome back to the usa naz it's been a while yeah, where we met, you know, I remember when we met in that, um, you know, amazing Viking stadium, Chelsea opening it up. I got to do a pitch side interview as well with John Terry that day. Um, I think it's Chelsea Inter, if I remember correctly. And uh, AC. AC, oh, not quite right. But yeah, it was, uh, I was, I loved that trip. And um, yeah, you know, it was great to meet you guys. And we're going to replicate it. Very opulent tour, LA, Vegas, Charlotte and Orlando. You know, I've been to none of those places except for LA. So, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be great to see you guys, see some American Chelsea fans. Um, and you guys are doing your bit to make Chelsea even bigger in the States. So, uh, yeah, you know, you guys are selling the tickets for Chelsea in my mind. We'll have to ask Todd for a cut, but uh, yeah, I know we're uh, we're excited to have you back over here. We're excited. Uh, we're working obviously with the Chelsea America chapters too, who are uh, looking to know if you're coming. So uh, we've got a form. They've got interest forms. Just make sure you let people know. Raise your hand so that we can connect with you, get with you, and make sure that this is the biggest, baddest summer blowout of a Chelsea tour America's ever seen. Oh, man, there it is. All right, well, let's go ahead and jump into the questions uh, and, va- and maximize our time with Naz. Uh, so the first one's from Topher, kind of asking what the attitude around the club is on Twitter, saying, what's the mood around the club like right now with everything that's happened so quickly? Any kind of updates now that the dust has settled in the ownership takeover? Yeah, it's been kind of quite interesting. Um, you know, it's probably not been like the big names that everyone wanted to announce, like Marquis signing one week after, you know, Todd Bowley came in. But um, it's kind of been interesting, you know, seeing what the atmosphere is around the club and, you know, the atmosphere um, and sort of message seems to be that Thomas Tuchel will be backed by the new ownership. They really like him. Uh, they believe that he's the guy to build for the future. So, a lot of what he wants, um, you know, has even more weight. Um, you know, Chelsea often has been this club that, you know, the manager, you know, has a sort of trans, tra- you know, just a temporary sort of feel, you know, and, um, you know, with with Tuchel, feels like he might stick around for longer. This ownership wants to build and, and have smart recruitment. And to do that, you need a manager in for a long time. 
I think Tuchel could have maybe survived under Abramovich anyway because he's been so good. And, and, and you know, I think that they, they were trying to move towards a more sustainable approach. But I think this new ownership, it just feels even more like confidence in, in that sort of approach. So we might see Chelsea make a lot of decisions that are really aligned with what the coach wants. And, um, you know, that might... I guess we're going to touch upon individual players in the future, but that might, that you know, that's going to impact a lot of what happens this summer. Um, the other thing is that, you know, obviously the defence is a priority, but the interesting thing is that, you know, the academy as well, there's a bit of nervousness around the ownership change. You know, Chelsea Academy it was a top-funded academy alongside Man City in the country, and, and it certainly feels like, you know, Neil Bath and his operation is going to be absolutely massively backed there. Um, Todd Bowley's been at um, training games that academy players have been playing with trialists. Um, there was a training game at the end of the season where, you know, Mason Burstow, you know, played up front and there was loads of trialists and and, and a few uh, other youngsters playing in it. And, and Todd Bowley was there and, and, you know, they've been signing all the targets that Chelsea originally wanted. They wanted to go big in the under-23s and below as well. So we're seeing that, you know, there's a goalkeeper being signed for the under twenty threes from Southampton, who were the best team in in the under eighteen league. Um, so yeah, you know, Chelsea are you know trying to bolster the academy as well as the first team, and and we've seen a couple of women signings as well. So um, operationally, um, everything that everyone internally at, in the football operation wanted um, has happened. So um, it's like. Not been a revolution at all, but um, it's just been a you know statement of ambition and a statement of, of backing the manager. So now it sounds like it's more of a evolution. We've also seen some early signs that maybe indicate the changing of the guard at an executive or board level with uh, Bowling Clear Lake making their appearance at the annual Premier League meetings with potentially this backing of... Tuchel over potentially the board when it comes to player ID and targeting. What's your sense of how that situation is starting to evolve to uh, with relation to maybe Bruce Buck and Rena uh, in terms of their, you know, status? Yeah, it's been quite simple. Like, you know, Todd Bowley is the, you know, the, the guy leading behind the scenes. Uh, he's like most hands on. Um, he's going to be very hands-on in the early stage. Um, I think it's almost a sense of he's learning the football business alongside, you know, great administrators. Like, you know, we've got Bruce Buck is, has always been quite powerful in the Premier League. You know, after the Super League, he lost a bit of that power. Um, but, you know, he's always been, you know, really central and respected in, in sort of the Premier League administration. Then you've got Marina, transfer chief. What can you learn around her? A lot, you know, she's been op operating Chelsea for a while. Um, and then you've got, you know, people like David Barnard, who kind of goes under the radar. But, you know, if you talk to people in the football world, they think he's really slick operator. Um, so, yeah, he's been alongside these people face to face, uh, meeting, you know, you know, Thomas Tuchel, meeting owners of other clubs, meeting um, Neil Bath and, and Emma Hayes and all those kind of people. So, um, yeah, he's been you know, Todd Bowley's been really involved, you know, Clear Lake are massive backers of, of Chelsea as well, um, but they're not really as operationally involved that, you know, they've got a lot of, uh, you know, financial investments, but for, for Todd, this is really massive and Clear Lake really trust in Todd. So that, that sort of dynamic is Clear Lake is putting a lot of the money, but Todd is almost who Clear Lake are investing as well because they believe in Todd Bowley and, and what he's done in, in US sports and, and, and he can translate that into, 
you know, an English European football powerhouse. So um, that's kind of how it's working. Um, it, it's been very much sort of business as usual, but with Todd bowling and around and, and everything was kind of blocked before the ownership got through, but because it's done, they can actually do stuff. And also, you know, the, the operators like Marina, like Bruce Buck, they can they can operate with confidence now, knowing that Todd Bowley is there and, and is sort of aligning with what they want, at least in the short term. You know, in the longer term, we might see bigger changes on the board and, and things like that. But for now, um, it kind of feels like business as usual with, with Todd Bowley in there trying to be a positive uh, influence as well. No, I'd love to hear that. love to see that. Uh, obviously getting in, digging in, getting his hands dirty and kind of understanding the operation is is really important as well because um, it's a, a new environment for him. Uh, on the flip side, uh, Shane want to know, are there any players who are seemingly hanging around Cobham early to get a good start to their preseason? Yeah, I mean, all the injured players are there. You know, you've got uh, Ben Chilwell, um, Callum Hudson-Odoi, um, you know, Dujon Sterling's training with them as well. Um, and Dujon Sterling's going to be involved in preseason. Mason Burstow, um, he's been doing a lot of stuff at Cobham. A lot of the guys who are not there, we can't say they're not trying to get ahead because a lot of them hire their own private coaches. So you've got like Reese James is, has got private coaching tuition, um, you know, fitness and uh, and stuff like that. You know, there's the strength and endurance coaches as well that a lot of them have privately. So um, some of the guys are doing these kind of things abroad and, and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, there's um, there's been a bit of stuff at Cobham, but a lot of it's going on um, outside of Cobham. And, and, yeah, there's been, you know, kind of a lot of people uh, on holiday, that kind of thing. So um, some of the key conversations around player exits haven't quite happened yet. So, you know, from the outside, it feels a little bit slow. Um, but, yeah, uh, that's that's kind of kind of wise because you know people are all on holiday and waiting to get back and they've been at the nations league as well romelu lukaku um came, you know got an early holiday from belgium duty none, none of the england guys did um but yeah that that kind of thing is all varied christian pulisic is going to be at an mls event tonight um you know promoting the new apple sponsorship so you've got all these kind of things going on with the with the players so other positive things, and again, we're kind of getting through all the administration club stuff first before we get into all of the transfer business, but I think this one, it goes under the radar, but it's probably a pretty nice thing for supporters, is the fact that there's been a freeze on season ticket prices, the increase in overall cost for the Westview, while exorbitant relative to the total cost, is less of an increase than we thought it was going to be. And they've got rid of ticket processing fees for supporters, which is absolutely ludicrous when most of it's a digital digital issue. So, uh, Naz, this is another positive sign, right? <laughs> yeah, Todd Bowie listens to the fans, which is great. Um, yeah, early win. And uh, maybe Danny Finkelstein and... And Barbara Sharon, who are the non-executive um, directors who've come in on the on the ownership ticket, um, maybe they've had a say because they've been supporting Chelsea for a long time and and will have been in the pubs complaining about that kind of stuff. So uh, yeah, maybe they've had an influence. But good to hear that Todd listens to the fans. I'm assuming it's even one of those things where like, you know, you waive some of those fees that I'm sure it adds up in the long run. But like, what you're gonna gain from maybe higher attendance, higher loyalty, things like that in the long run is going to outweigh that stuff. And I'm sure it's always in economics. And it's one of those easy things where like as a as an operator, you're like, look, we charge two pounds per ticket times X. You're like, 
boom, another two million, and then it makes payroll or this and that. So um, again, Todd just buying himself, I think, more time in the fans' eyes to uh, kind of understand the business. So again, I think probably a relatively easy win if we're thinking about it strategically. Would you rather somebody buy another shirt and be a walking billboard for Chelsea, or would you rather take two pounds on every ticket across, you know, a, you know, twenty matches or something, and have that in your coffers? So like I. I to me, that's a no-brainer business decision. Like, you want more people buying stuff and being closer to the club in other ways, and you can find a way to make that back up over, you know, one com- good commercial deal. Yeah, and, and ticket prices are such a small slice of the pie, you know. The the growth area, the reason Todd Bowley is buying into this business is because the growth area is TV, the growth area is streaming um, and commercial, which Roman Abramovich, you know, that was one area as well that they didn't, uh, fully capitalize on they were lagging behind even the likes of Spurs and stuff on on commercial deals so it's time to get Chelsea more Americanized more capitalist and uh, yeah uh, in that kind of way and 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 for fans it, it doesn't really cost anything so it's a, a win-win yeah which is obviously uh huh. Roman just wasn't worried about it because he didn't have to be <laughs> and you know so times are changing a little bit but speaking about that uh, three is returning as the shirt sponsor. What? Uh, actually asking on Twitter, do we still have three as the main shirt sponsor? I would assume not, but I haven't heard anything except for the sleeve sponsor change. And then boom, it was announced. Yeah. Three didn't, three didn't go away. Um, yeah, maybe, you know, it was a, a bit of a PR disaster for them and um, Chelsea fans, you know, making their own shirts with Trivago on instead who stuck with Chelsea, you know, the training kit sponsor, um, but I think that, you know, now it's about looking past it. You know, I don't think they meant any offense by it. Um, and Chelsea want their sponsors to get value from the sponsorship as well to, to attract the next one. So if you read that statement they put out, they've been really glowing and positive about three. And, and that's why, you know, they want the, they want the sponsors to get value for money to attract the next one. Um, and I'm sure, uh, you know, maybe three will move on next season. Um, there probably wasn't enough time to reprint the shirts anyway. You know, um, Chelsea probably the last team in Europe to launch their kit. So yeah. um, we're still waiting for that. The photos have been done, I've been told, and and it's all ready to go. It's just about um, pressing go. I, I have heard, Naz, and I, I don't know if this is confirmed, that it is the last year of seeing a beer. And so uh, there might be a beer change coming soon at Sanford Bridge, which would be delightful. Phenomenal. Yeah, well, I hope they get one of the local beers, but I'm not, I'm not backing that uh, around uh, London. But sounds yeah. like you're getting Bud Light, Naz. Oh, Welcome to a bully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, look, I think there's a lot of commentary around three. I mean, what are you gonna do in two months? Sign another three-year deal? I mean, sure, sponsorship conversations. I'm assuming that RFP goes out a couple years in advance. Uh, it takes a long time, um, you know, and, and you really have to kind of woo the people and, and bring them in. So I think this is probably the most common sense thing to see. Uh, it was most practical with all the situation. I know fans were like, ah, oh, rip it up, start over, you know, go without a shirt sponsor. But like, that's just not how it works. And so um, looks like the kit design has been leaked. The photos are out there. Um, we'll have to see, but uh, another another season with three is this, and this is our third and final season already. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's a lot of money as well. The, you know, the front of shirt sponsors are big. It is yeah. is literally the difference between you know major transfer and not. So I think all fans would would rather have the major transfer and uh, you know look at three for a season. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. No, that makes sense. All right. Well, uh, Dan, hold your horses. We're going to take a quick ad break. But when we get back, listeners, don't worry. We're jumping into uh, changes under Bully Lukaku and all the players. So thank you to the sponsors for financially supporting the show. And we'll be right back. All right. Our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because, well... It's hard to get a lot of micronutrients in. You know, we're all focused on our macros with protein, carbs, and and fat. And now we got to add the micronutrients from fruits and vegetables. It's just hard to eat that many servings a day. So uh, I started doing it just to make my life a lot more efficient. I'm getting better gut health and a more uh, durable, resistant immune system. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of the things. Again, I do it. It's easy. It's fast. It's quick. Uh, I throw up my shaker usually on my way home from work, drink it. It, it goes down quickly. Uh, and like I said, you get six servings of vegetables a day very easily. Uh, but hey, don't listen to me. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes and is trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills, supplements to look out for your gut health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to say, give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, Dan, unleash the horses. We're back. Well, the last one before we get to all of the players, just one from JL asking if you, Naz, for your opinion, if you've seen any shift in the information strategy from the club in terms of how they're distributing, how sources are kind of providing information on the ground from the Roman era to the Bully era, even though uh, one was two decades and the other is uh, two two months, um, it, what the differences might be that you're seeing? Yeah, not not really, not since the um, ownership change. But I think maybe after preseason, um, maybe we'll get uh, a bit of a change. So, yeah, that's still a work in progress. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess it's up to us to make sure that the club is more open, so the fans can have even more information and uh, less stupid transfer news that we can knock back straight away. You know. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see because I mean, I'm pretty sure a lot of the communications department is the same still. Um, so a lot of that makes a lot of sense, but, uh, we're just hoping that you get maybe a little bit more access or a little bit more information sooner. I mean, this U S tour, woof, all the information is coming out late in the game, but again, these sanctions were, uh, were quite, quite impactful. All right. Uh, here we go. Lukaku latest, uh, breaking news from one Nissar Kinsel on Twitter says, uh, inter CEO, Alessandra Antonello. There's a great, quote, there's a great desire on the part of Lukaku to return. What needs to be verified are the economic and financial feasibility and the resolution of some technical problems, end quote. Ah, what? Yeah, it's very much like, uh, you know, like sort of 
what is it? He'd, he'd say he's almost obscuring the situation in a little way um, by saying technical. You know, it doesn't actually mean anything, does it? But yeah, technical problems are Chelsea's opinion. Um, you know, of course, Inter wants Lukaku for almost nothing back, um, which is what they're trying to do. Um, and Chelsea are trying to get something out of the situation, which to them is quite negative. You know, Romelu Lukaku is not happy at Chelsea. Um, Thomas Tuchel is really struggling to get anything out of him um, and and probably not willing to adapt completely the system um, to really make him succeed. So, um, yeah, you're, you're ending up in a situation here which is just a bit of a disaster, really, and, um, you know, could go down as one of the great transfer failures. Um, and, yeah, you know, there's embarrassment from the side of certain Chelsea officials who were involved in signing him as well, you know, Um even Lukaku has gone as far to replace his agent, who's very close with Chelsea, um, with another one, um, and it's all a bit of a bit of a mess, really. Now, um, you know, it looks like to me that Chelsea will eventually loan him to Inter and make a huge loss on him. You know, um, the fees that are being talked about that I'm hearing, you know, Inter want him for seven million euros a season. That's the kind of fee that a Championship club might pay for a Tammy Abraham. You know, you're looking at when Villa loaned Tammy, it, it probably wasn't far off that. So um, it's a very low fee. Um, you know, when when Chelsea loans a Tammy, um, they make money. But when they loan Lukaku, they're going to be losing money because his yearly costs, um, you know, they pay the transfer in installments. It's going to be less than the installments that Chelsea are paying to Inter. So effectively, Inter are getting him and money from Chelsea um, you know, all in one go. So it's... Uh, it's a bit of a, a messy situation, but from a football perspective, you know, Todd Bowley wasn't involved in the transfer. Um, you know, he just wants Thomas Tuchel to have what he wants. Um, and I guess, you know, Tuchel and Lukaku want the same thing now. Now it's the summer. They want to they wanna break up and, uh, yeah, only money's really in the way of it. It's 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 a bit of a, it's a, bit of a mess. It's, it's a real mess. And, um yeah, it, it doesn't reflect well on, on Chelsea that they're going to lose all that money. But, um, you know, in the end, if Chelsea sign a better striker that suits Tuchel's system and they and they finish higher up the league table and win a trophy, then that's that's what everyone wants at the end. So now, just from your perspective, it's a matter of when, not if, this deal gets concluded based upon what we're seeing from Inter, what we're hearing from agents and the players' camp as it relates to every party wanting to get this done and needing in effectively needing to get it done. Yeah. I think every party wants to get it done. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, there is a, there is a case of money. Chelsea try to leverage it now as well, like including players in it. There's several interplayers that they would want, you know, they, they kind of want another defender, you know, um, you know, they, they're probably going to sign Kunde, but they want another defender and Inter have loads of great defenders in their squad. Um, and then they've got, you know, a few of the good talented players, um, you know, Lautaro Martinez would be an absolute dream, but, um, you know, that he's untouchable for Inter. But, you know, that's the kind of conversations they're having. They are, this is what happens, you know. You you say, yeah, we have an asset you want, and um, an agent tries to, you know, make it happen. Um, and then Chelsea asks for stuff in return for a, a very cheap deal for a, you know, striker with, you know, 50-plus international goals. So, uh, yeah, it's... Um, it's it's a it's that's that's kind of where we're at. We're in sort of the heat of the negotiations, and but all parties seem willing to do it. Um, and Chelsea are currently asking for about twelve million euros as a loan fee, which is low for me. And Lukaku is willing to take a pay cut as well. So it shows how much 
he wants to get out of Stamford Bridge as well. Look, this is the Lukaku playbook. Like, I'm over it. Like, dumb on us. But I could give a shit less what Inter say in this situation. Like, uh, Lataro Martinez is untouchable. Guess what? Lukaku was untouchable last summer. They said the same thing. Like, Inter Milan, it is what it is. We got absolutely duped. You know, Lukaku talked a big game, didn't deliver, and now is, like, running away from the problems. It's just super frustrating. And I know there's, like, things that you know, go on behind the scenes, things that players, you know, he's at the highest level. There's things that he doesn't think he needs to deal with or, you know, fight and push through. And, you know, he saw the success at Inter Milan under Antonio Conte. I don't know what it's going to be like, um, you know, going back with different manager and different players around him, but whatever. It, it just, it, again, this, this game sucks. And I think Chelsea are going to have to, you know, really think about how they go about these things and these big transfers because there's going to be so much fallout and ramifications. Obviously, Tammy left. I think he needed to go, and I'm so excited for him at Roma. And I hope he has, a, you know, two, three more great seasons there. And Before comes coming back, back to Chelsea. Exactly. Fully polished. You know, but Chelsea still need to kind of figure out what to do when it comes to signing these big-name players because um, Eden Hazard was great, you know, but we I think... Less have been successful than others, but I'm sure I'm going to get told on Twitter how many we've signed for for greatness. I'm just thinking of like Torres and and Lukaku and, you know, and maybe it's a striker problem actually for Chelsea, right? Drogba, Tacosta, to who? I mean, the the stop gaps that we brought in have been been bad. But anyways, uh, we don't need to talk about those. We can talk about who Chelsea might look to replace him with. Uh, number nine, like Lewandowski. There's a long list, Naz. There's a long list of names. <laughs> Lewandowski seems like a great option for obvious reasons, but um, he's got his eyes set on Spain. And Gabriel Jesus, which it finally came out that uh, he has been offered to Chelsea. I, I I don't know if he's like high on Chelsea's list, but you know, I'm always surprised by Chelsea. I've I've heard that Gabriel Jesus wants to be a guaranteed starter in his next club, so I think that you know. Maybe he's looking at Chelsea and Tuchel and the rotation, you know, strategy um, as being a problem. And, uh, you know, the latest thing now is Arsenal have just made a bid for him, like an official bid. So, uh, yeah, I mean, people are thinking Arsenal are more serious. And uh, I've also heard that he's he's quite considering he'd be happy to move abroad as well to like a Juventus or something like that if they, if they gave him a prominent role. Um, but, uh, yeah, it seems like Arsenal are the most interested. Chelsea definitely interested seem like the right profile but um guaranteed start at chelsea um he might find it a bit harder like all the other folds do um when you, when you think about some of the other names like i know we, we've you know seen in cuckoo uh from rb leipzig is a very popular name at the moment after the season that he had you also seen and just meaning in the kind of the broader attack dembele sterling i mean those are some of the other names that you're seeing circulated as if you were to maybe rank those in terms of uh, least likely to most likely, um, would it be in Cuckoo, Sterling, Dembele? I mean, that's how it feels externally, but you know, you being a little closer to it, what are you hearing? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think that Chelsea are going to move in the late window, so it's putting me off Dembele a little bit um, as, a, as, a, as an attacking option. In this position, I think they're going to move later. I think that the priority is now defender, because they have to take a player out. Like The, the whole point of this is that Chelsea already don't have any minutes in attack, um, and they've got... Armando Broya coming back for pre-season. So they've not got enough minutes for the guys. They're mostly, you know, the attack have really low morale, not just Lukaku, but Ziyech isn't happy with his minutes. Um, Pulisic isn't happy with his minutes. Werner isn't happy with his minutes. 
You're adding in Armando Breuer, who's got loads of transfer interest as well. If you want to use him, you have to tell him that he's got a really good shot at, at making it. So um, signing an attacker now would send a really bad message to all these guys that, you know, I think that Chelsea would want to keep Pulisic, but the other two, they'd be open to selling them. But then there's no real transfer interest in those that I can that I know about at this stage. So certainly nothing imminent coming anyway. Um, and then Lukaku is probably the closest to leaving, but there's so much work to do there as well. Um, so maybe they're not in a great position to sign Dembele. I think that they're using Chelsea a little bit to try and attract more and more interest as well on that one. Um, and Kunku is clearly like somebody everyone wants at the minute. Uh, he's got huge interest and Chelsea are massively um, wants to be part of that conversation, just like they did with Chowmany, just like they did with, uh, you know, all the top guys that come on the market. Um, and then, yeah, Sterling as well could be an opportunity, but uh, yeah, that's a complicated one. Dealing with Man City who don't care about money, just like Bramovich, you know, didn't, you know, he wouldn't sell to Spurs. So City's owners are also very rich. So um, yeah, it would be very, very interesting to see. Um, you know, it's a bit different with Gabriel Jesus because there's a, an agreement in place that he sold for around 43 million this summer. Um, but with Sterling, there's no such agreement. So yeah, there's... Um, there's a sense that a deal could happen that Chelsea could take advantage of, you know, him being in the last year of his contract, but you know, um, he's a great player and, and city could make it tricky. So um, I'm interested to see the politics of that one. And, and if, if Chelsea could do it, but I think there's definitely an appetite to do something there. Here's a dumb one. Now that Harry Kane can't go to man city and we have a gaping hole up top, he's got two years left on his contract. Yeah. Kane, Kane, I think is ready to stay Spurs, you know, Spurs are, Showing good ambition in transfer market, signing Basuma, Conte's the manager. Um, Spurs, you know, do look impressive, and uh, Kane has sort of changed his tune. Um, Lewandowski is another one Chelsea have identified and always looked at and always been in contact with and well connected around. Um, uh, but yeah, it seems like Chelsea are more likely to move for a, a more Tuckle style player, you know, one who presses, one who's dynamic, you know, signing an older striker. We've seen. What happened to Man United? They got Ronaldo and, yeah, he messed up their system. Scored loads of goals and messed up their system. So maybe there's a little risk there with Lewandowski that a similar thing could happen. You know, Naz, kind of moving on maybe beyond the attack, you've talked about it, and I, I just, yeah, uh, the uh, the account ANCFC tweeting the question, Kunde, bro, just all they wanted was the update on Kunde. And I know that you kind of a couple of days ago, we were chatting about it in WhatsApp. It's kind of looking like it's still on course, even though there was the surgical intervention for a more longer term injury. Plus, uh, Deschamps uh, maybe playing him to the point of a little exhaustion amongst other uh, not just Chelsea interests, but Chelsea players. Um what are you hearing about that, particularly as it seems like the Spanish media is starting to kick up a Barcelona who is uh, broke, cash broke, uh, not not fake broke, cash broke, um, trying to potentially sign him as well? Yeah, it's baffling, isn't it? But um, yeah, Didier Deschamps, just a quick one. Yeah, I had the same thing. It was like N'Golo Kante all over again, wasn't it? You know, playing him to the point of injury, then Chelsea suffers. Um, yeah, he's got uh, he's had a little surgery. It's been successful. Um, it's very routine. Uh, he needed it, but it's very routine. Um, and he's expected to make preseason. So, um, you know, he's told Sevilla he'll be ready for preseason. Um, and Chelsea are aware of the situation. So, uh, yeah, um, you know, I, Chelsea are massively um, the, the main club for him. Um, you know, with Barcelona, there's a story that came out, I think, yesterday night 
um, that Barcelona were gonna were the favourites and and were ready to bid for him and, and sign him um, for fifty five million euros. So. Um, yeah, when I looked into that, um, you know, again, it was kind of not back um, that, you know, that's I also looked at the story more closely than the aggregators maybe did as well. And, um, you know, when you do read it, you know, you, re- you realise it's massively caveated. They like that Barcelona have to sell players to sign um, a Koundé. Uh, they have to get um, they can't even register Andreas Christensen and Frank Kessie, who they've already agreed free transfers for, because that's how bad their financial situation is. They have to sell um, four times as much um, for every for every um, euro that they spend in this transfer window. So they have to sell a player for four euros to sign one for one. So they're in a terrible position to sign Koundé. They want Koundé. They, they desperately want Koundé. They want a centre-back. Um, but you know Chelsea uh, have already got a financial agreement in terms of contracts in place. They've not got a fee agreed, but they they are in in dialogue with Sevilla, um, and they have been for some time because they tried to sign him last summer as well. They know what it takes. They know how difficult Sevilla can be. Um, Sevilla aren't as desperate as they were because they sold a Diego Carlos to Aston Villa, but they still have sort of a verbal agreement in place with Koundé to sell him this summer. Um, so yeah, Chelsea. Uh, the main club, uh, Kunde is really, you know, up for joining Chelsea. Um, so, uh, you know, making Barcelona favourites, I don't think that is at all accurate. Um, in fact, um, I'd be unbelievably surprised if Barcelona could turn around the situation. It seems like Kunde is in the tractor beam of Chelsea transfers, and and you know, naturally Chelsea just wait until he's a bit fitter, um, you know, before pulling the trigger. Um, I believe that you know he'd be the first sign in. Maybe they'll get Gabriel Salanina first, you know, the Chicago fire goalkeeper, but he's going to go back on loan if Chelsea win that race. So I'm expecting those two to be the early ones. And then, you know, the rest of it, Chelsea fans might find themselves frustrated and and things moving slow and depending on player sales and loans and all that kind of thing. Um, don't forget, we've got all these loanees coming back and stuff. So, um, yeah, it, that's kind of the situation. I hope it summed it up. But Chelsea, favourites, Barca not. Yeah, we know where Barca's fishing, all right? It's in our back line, all right? And we know where they're going. They're looking for deals, not 60 million euro defenders. Um, Obviously, I think we need another defender. Um, I love it. It sounds like we're going to Italy again. You talked about the Inter Milan, potentially just as a part of the Lukaku deal. There's Koulibaly potentially being on the market again, Matthias Delict, which I'm not really sure about him. Um, especially with Chiellini retiring. Uh, but any other kind of links or connections to, to those centre-back targets? Yeah, there's also Kim Pembe and uh, yeah. Josco Guardiol. Um, uh, the, them two are really, you know, solid potential. I mean, it's not going to be easy getting Kim Pembe out of PSG, but he seems open um, to a Premier League move this summer. Um, I, I'm sure it's leveraging the contract situation because there's contract negotiations ongoing as well. Um, but if they don't go well, then that's when Chelsea come in. Um, it's also, you know, a lot of the time these transfer rumours are um, linked to contract negotiations. Agents will have you believe that more is going on than they are. You know, the the Koundé situation as well, that's linked to PK's contract. PK is in contract negotiations with Barcelona, and that is something to put pressure on PK to renew at a lower rate. Um, so all this kind of stuff's going on. But yeah, Josco Guardiol is a huge 
um, you know, somebody who Chelsea really like and have been following for a long time. Um, it's going to be expensive. Um, there's been claims that, you know, Guardiola had a bid in January and, and some people believe that was Chelsea. Um, I'm not so sure, but there was some there was some talk about that, you know, and he can play, he could even play left wing back potentially if Chilwell was out. So, you know, it would have made sense that it might be him. Um, you know, it will cost a lot to sign him, like £55 million at least. Um, but uh, yeah, he's a he's another one. So um, I'm expecting Chelsea to look at that position. They could go for a wing back instead of a centre back um, with the current players. You know, you can move Reese James into centre back uh, if he wants um, and things like that. And and then you've got low knees like um, Dujon Sterling, who they're looking at. Tuchel really likes him. You know, Ampadu did quite well in Italy, and he's doing really well with his national team. So. Um, yeah, that's why it's kind of like, you know, not that clear. There's a lot of names. We know that Chelsea like these players, but I'm not saying that they're in active negotiations for them. That That's kind of why that we're in this situation. Player sales and loans uh, are hugely part of the picture. I, I know that we also talked about the, uh, the, the broke Barcelona. Again, broke Barcelona for those who are uh, not aware of their financial situation. But obviously, as Brandon also referenced, they are looking for deals they're looking for bargains they're looking for the uh the aldi equivalent of a uh, a summer signing and uh alonzo aspilqueta still on their radar still likely to go I, I know that tuchel seemingly wants to convince aspi to stay another year but does that actually happen what are your thoughts on that right now naz yeah i would say they were likely to go faster in any reasonable financial condition um but, but um i'm just very suspicious about Barca's activities in the transfer window they seem to always get stuff done in the end um and they're, they're two huge targets you know um but uh yeah i mean chelsea it's going to be interesting to see i think that chelsea are open to letting both players go um but if Barca are offering zero pounds um then you know that's going to be an issue and i think with aspley as well chelsea might even, you know, I think Tuckle himself has a different opinion in the club on that one. I think Tuckle wants Aspliquet to stay. Aspliquet kind of wants to leave um, and, and explore a new challenge. Um, Chelsea feel open about giving him what he wants because he's such a legend. You know, you have that situation sometimes. You know, sometimes you earn your right to pick your exit. And that's what the club feels that Aspliquet has done. He's been that much of a legend. Um, but Tuckle, as a pragmatist, thinks man, I'm losing two centre-backs. Don't want to lose a third because, you know, you, you, you've you got to, you know, you've got to make the players understand the system. You know, it's going to make the start of the season hard, especially in that position. So um, even if Chelsea signed Guardiol, Koundé, um, and then brought back a great low knee, then, you know, all these guys would be, you know, playing catch-up on the system and the coaching and stuff like that. So um, that's kind of the situation around Aspie. It's it's not clear yet. And, and Barca's mess isn't helping. What actually we need is that Man United sign Frankie de Jong so Barca have some money to play with because they have they have nothing. Um, even even Andreas Christensen doesn't is not even able to announce his transfer and and get to Barcelona because they're so poor. Um, it's it's a mess. Football is a mess, and and Chelsea being at the top of the tree is great, but um, it depends a lot on other clubs. Well, uh, you talked about Slendin earlier. You talked about the young Southampton goalkeeper. So, Dan with the headline, Life's a Beach in Slonina soon. Uh, you tweeted, Naz, the signing of Eddie Beach doesn't dampen Chelsea's desire to complete a deal for Chicago Fires' Gabriel Slonina, despite similar age profiles. 
Uh, and that was a quote to you from Jacob Steinberg saying that Chelsea are close to signing Southampton U18 goalkeeper Eddie Beach. Understand a fee has been agreed. Lots of interest in him. But it looks like Chelsea have won the race for Wales U19 International 1 for the future. What are we doing? Stocking up on goalkeepers right now? Um, you know, the young ones, I know we've got Sharman uh, Lowe and ugh, I can't, whatever the other, I, I'll have to look him up. But I always forget adding beach means we have a third tall lanky blonde goalkeeper that i'm just going to get confused every time i watch the dev squad from now on which phil and i have already People been are going to confuse them with brandon busby about. again and that's yeah. just what's going to happen oh, yeah. it's going to be really uh, unfortunate for you i don't know about yeah. that okay but is this just chelsea bergstrom lucas bergstrom and teddy sherman though is this just chelsea stockpiling talent again when now there's new loan rules and things like that what's your kind of read of the situation yeah, Chelsea have uh, loads of goalkeepers. They have uh, Ted Kurd as well, who's just coming up to the U18s. And then they've got um, Ethan Waddy, who's been on loan. Um, and uh, he's, I did hear that he's going to sign a new contract at Chelsea. Then you've got um, Nathan Baxter and, and Jamie Cumming, who are absolutely killing it on loan. Um, but yeah, you know, I think that maybe some of these guys will be sold. Um, and I think that's what will happen. But, they, you know, been, there's been poor, let's be honest. Um, I'm, uh, there's been poor performances, you know, in the in the youth team this season. Um, a new goalkeeper, I think that you know they they've got a really good goalie here. Um, this you know this this young lad um, from Southampton, um, and and you know that's going to be part of the picture. Um, you know, just having him in to be a solid U23 goalkeeper. Chelsea are really ambitious at youth level as well. I think they're a bit frustrated with how last season went. They've got a new youth coach in. Um, they've also signed goalies, I think, at um, under 12 and under 14 level. I don't really report on football that low down, but that's what I've been told is that they're going as far as that. You know, that's that's the kind of like detail that Chelsea are operating on. They are signing players. It's just not the big name first team players that we all want at the moment. So, um, yeah, uh, it's it's I guess the, there's going to be a lot of turbulence at goalkeeper level. You know, the goalkeeping department, Chelsea have also lost the head of it. You know, Christoph Lollicon has left the club. I, you know, what I understand now is that uh, Hilario is effectively going to be like the head of the goalkeeping department and the first team uh, coach. Um, so that's kind of, you know, just shows you that a lot of change is happening. Uh, it's going to be really interesting what happens with, you know, Slanina coming in. I think Chelsea will win that race. I do have a real belief in that right now at this stage. It's not done, but... I believe Chelsea will win. Why would he wait this long if he wasn't wanting to sign for Chelsea? Um, you know, he, he could have just gone to another club while Chelsea was sanctioned, uh, but he didn't. Um, so I do believe Chelsea will win that race and, and then they'll have a really strong pool. You know, Kepa could leave um, and then did they bring in a new number two? I don't think it'll be Slanina, but it could be a Nathan Baxter and uh, I would love to see him in there. Um, do I believe it will happen? You know, probably not, but I do... Do really hope that Chelsea make that choice. I'm sure people like um, you know, Neil Bath and Hilario will be in Tuckle's ear um and, and the board's ear to say, look, Nathan is ready. He's he's a really good goalkeeper. And I believe he is ready to be a number two at Chelsea. And um, and you know, a number two needs to be good enough to push the number one. And I think he is that. I think he is that. Um and and you know, you could have him there for one season and then loan him out if if he gets frustrated with lack of opportunities anyway. Um, and he he would learn from being around Mendy and Hilario and stuff like that. Hilario is a really good goalkeeping coach, despite some of the criticism he's had on social media. Um, so I think that I think that that's the picture really. Uh, Jamie Cummings is a really talented goalie as well. So uh, hopefully he sticks around, goes on loan, gets a championship club, 
um, and, and can, you know, continue putting his case forward as well for a future shot. So, uh, yeah, the goalkeeping picture is quite interesting. There is going to be a number two slot available. Wow, that is quite the rundown. And uh, I bet Brandon Busby is excited that we spent uh, uninterrupted minutes on goalkeeping in an episode. It's just really, you know, it just tickles his fancy, checks all of his boxes. But we're going to move on because I want to ask about how do we lock up talent to prevent the issue that we've seen this past summer where uh, we're just letting people leave on freeze. And uh, we've got some great young talent in, in Cobham. You have some great graduates now in Reese James and Mason Mount who probably are looking at their contributions to the team last season, even on injured, <laughs> injured for part of it. Reese James was still one of the most creative attackers that we uh, had in addition to being a defender uh, in this team last season. What's the likelihood I don't feel like there's necessarily probably pressure, but what's the likelihood that they get a upgraded deal at some point in the short to midterm to kind of recognize their contribution, but also ensure that like we don't end up in this kind of hellscape again, <laughs> trying to maintain our own players. Yeah. I think I know for a fact that that's something that the Bowley um, ownership are bringing is like wanting to get that contract situation around those two players and, and in general, you know, with the free transfers leaving, they want to, they want to be smarter on those kind of deals. And, and, you know, Chelsea in the past could afford to like keep these guys waiting and, and, and mess them about a bit and then offer them a lot of money in the end. But I think that they want to be sort of rewarding players, be smarter uh, and all that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's actually baffling that two of Chelsea's worst paid players are Reese James and Mason Mount. Like, it, it's got to the point where um, like clubs, Premier League clubs, the big six have been asking the players, agents and stuff like what's going on here. Are you running down your contracts? And and they go back to the clubs and say, no, Chelsea are just not offering us stuff. They kind of say that they want to, they're willing to, um, but nothing actually ever happens um, so that they're in this situation where they're just kind of been ignored. And that's even before the sanctions came in and delayed it further um, but, you know, that kind of thing is some of the stuff that Rudiger spoke about in his, um, you know, Players' Tribune piece when he when he left the club. He said that, you know, he didn't have contact with Chelsea for six months um, and his contract was getting down to the last year or two. So, um, yeah, th there is a concern that that, that could that, that could force some of these guys out. Um, you know, these guys love Chelsea um, and that's that's something that Chelsea can rely on a little bit. But. If they treat them badly, that could change. If Chelsea perform really badly, then you know a window of opportunity opens up for a Real Madrid and or a Man City. And um, for for one, Real Madrid and Man City are two of the teams that kind of want to sign Reese James. I, I know for a fact Man City are looking in twenty twenty three for a right back. Um, Liveramento is actually a huge target of theirs. Um, but if they could get a Reese James instead, who's more ready made, then then they will um, they will go for that. So. I think that that's a little bit of a danger. Real Madrid is obviously very attractive to big players as well. So, um, yeah, um, these these are concerns for Chelsea that need to be resolved. Um, you know, there's 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 more pressing ones. You know, you have got Jorginho and Kante. What's going to happen there? But these are the future of Chelsea. These are you want to see a team built around the young players. They're Chelsea through and through. Get them to sign it. Um, you know, it's probably going to be expensive, but they're worth it, aren't they? They are worth it. They're behind on the earning curve 100%. anyways, too. Yeah, so, and you'd assume it's an easy negotiation with those as well, you know, much more of a formality. Um, as long as you're not taking advantage of their loyalty, I'm sure they'd be quick to sign, which... Uh, the, other 
the other problem is that Chelsea, Chelsea's highest earners are the players performing the worst. You know, Lukaku is the highest earner. So Chelsea need those kind of situations leveled out as well. You can't have everyone on Lukaku money in the squad because that's not financially viable. So you need to get it right with the ones you give a lot of money and you've got to get it right with the ones that you, you have a bit cheaper as squad players as well. Mm-hmm. Well, as we kind of go on to the last area of the pitch that we haven't kind of really tapped into heavily, which is like the midfield. And I, 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 there's a bunch of people that we can talk about there. I think the first one that we just want to tap into, uh, maybe it's not uh, kind of the full time, but Billy Gilmore gets a uh, contract extension. They have an option or Chelsea have an option in his contract to do that. Uh, so now he's got an extra 12 months. I would imagine Naz, he's probably a likely loan, like top loan target, finding the right fit for him this summer uh, so that it's not another Norwich City. But what are you hearing kind of in what in Billy's camp and what might be the, the future for him? Yeah, he'll have loan offers. He'll probably have permanent offers as well. Um, so I think it's going to be really interesting summer for him. And the fact that they renewed his contract without sending him straight on loan is quite interesting as well. So that probably... I think he's going to come back for preseason, try and force his way in again. Um, Tucker likes him. He really likes him. And um, I don't think that, you know, from the outside, people viewed the Norwich loan negatively. But actually in, in Chelsea, they viewed it quite positively, you know, to be fighting down the bottom, to have struggles. Um, I don't think they felt like he had too much to prove. So, um, yeah, I think that there's a sh- there's a chance that he could come back to Chelsea and that should be in the first team, um, you know, there is circumstances that could happen. So, yeah, it's not going to be easy, but, you know, people like Shalabar have shown how it's done, Victor Moses in the past under Conte. So, um, yeah, I think he's got a shot at making it. Um, and, yeah, but I think all is possible. It's loan, sell, or make it at Chelsea. There's, uh, there's, there's three outcomes and they're all on the table. Uh, another one that we want to dig into, uh, I was told he's not creative, but uh, I, I have different stats that disagree with that. Uh, Connor Gallagher, who I think is a creative player and would add a lot of uh, new and exciting opportunities for Tuchel. Um, what, what's your take on, A, is he a creative player? And B, will he stay around this next coming season? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Tuchel absolutely loves him and I think he feels like he deserves it. But um, I don't. it's not decided yet, but I think that that's the situation. It's not decided, but he's got, out of all the loanies, he's got absolutely the most currency, the most positive uh, feeling around him the most sort of sense that he deserves it um but he still has to go in pre-season do a good job and he needs to have negotiations with Chelsea and a lot of that kind of stuff will happen from kind of July the 2nd when players link up again uh, for pre-season so um yeah uh, there's a there's a real feeling of positivity on his on his style of play um i mean he's not his his game and his unique superpower is is vaguely similar to Ngolo Kanté's into that he has this unbelievable engine. Now, he's a great technical player, but the engine is just something staggering. And um, the way he gets around the pitch, it gives him the chance to score goals, um, to break up play. Um, you know, he's physically immense. It's, it's a natural gift that he's also worked incredibly hard at to add an extra 10, 20 percent at, um, which he has done. Um, and he's, he's, you know, arguably Premier League leader uh, for what he does. Um, so, yeah, um, Chelsea needs to get the right style of play for him, the right system. Um, he fit he fit Palace so well as a six in a two, um, you know, in midfield. Will it be as good? Maybe not. Um, I don't, I think he's really good when he's, you know, running on to play, but when he, when the play is in front of him, if he's in a possession team, I think then he might struggle. So he's not a Jorginho, 
Um, really, he's not, and he's so much better than Jorginho at other things, but he's not a Jorginho. If, if Chelsea dominate in possession, I don't think he's a tempo player, um, and that's where he needs to develop his game, but also Chelsea needs to adapt to him. Um, so I think that's where an interesting dynamic is going to come into play, like, is Tuchel going to commit to a change of style um, to accommodate him? Um, maybe he should. Um, and this preseason is going to be a lot of questions like that. And I don't think that people at Chelsea know the answers to it. And that's why a lot of these things are in flux. There's a lot in flux at Chelsea right now. Um, you know, it's post-takeover. There's so many players to manage. Um, and, and Conor Gallagher's um, place in the squad should be assured. But we need to fit him in in the right way, don't we? Look, I don't think anyone ex- like is clamoring that he's a creative player. No one's comparing him to Cesc Fabregas. He's industrious. He does it all. He fits a need in the team, especially as we talk about, you know, Jorginho and Conte here in a second. It's and at the end of the day, he has end product. He has very yeah. tangible end product. I like people are trying to compare him to people who he is not. And then that's just like a, a, a like a biased or just an unfounded argument. So again, Connor, to your point, great six, uh, breaks up play, reads the play well, tough in a tackle, uh, is quick to release the ball when he needs to. And at the end of the day, we'll run through a brick wall if you ask him to. So like, you know, from a player standpoint, a coach can be more thrilled. Uh, and we talked about Jorginho and Conte a lot in the Keeps Alone episodes that we did, obviously. Look, with Jorginho, great skill set, 30 you know what, a year left on his contract entering into the, the final year type of thing. I, I just, no disrespect to the player, technically immense uh, tempo player to your point, right? Regista through and through. I just think that Tuchel, his style and his system could use a different skill set. And so he, to me, he's a perfect player to move out to make room for someone like a Connor, even potentially a Billy a new midfield signing, whoever. Um, but you've got Jorginho and Conte, both 30 or older. I think they're both 30. In their last year of the contract, like, what what is Chelsea going to do, Naz? Do you, do you have any idea? I think Chelsea would, you know, in an ideal world, like to cash in. Um, I think, you know, like everything you said, I totally agree with, and and at their age and, and things like that. But they really need a market to build for these players. Um, you know, I don't really believe the, that Man United will sign Kante. That would be mad. Um, you know, his injury problems have been really uh, an issue. And when you're trying to sell a player, if they if they look at a player and say he's played 49% of the games, surely, you know, most clubs are going to be worried about that. So I'm I'm a bit worried that Chelsea won't find a market for him. Don't forget, he's one of Chelsea's highest paid players as well. Um, and he deserves it because he's been unbelievable. Um, and it's, it's unfortunate that injuries have taken hold. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a really highly paid player. So selling him is even harder. Jorginho... Um, he's also on a high wage, but um, not to the same extent. Um, so I think he could attract certain clubs, but it's a very small group. Um, I think Juventus is an obvious fit. And I think that what's happening here is that clubs are, are waiting till the last minute to put pressure on the likes of Chelsea to knock down their fee. You know, if you sign Jorginho now, Chelsea might be like, well, you might as well wait till the end of the window. If you're only going to bid 10 million, then we don't want to sell him. Um, but if you... If you bid 10, 15, 20 million at the end of the window, then Chelsea might be like, well, we're going to lose him for nothing. So we're going to have to let him go. So I think that that's, that's going to be the dynamic here around the midfield. It's not ideal for Chelsea because Chelsea want these guys out so they can bring them in quicker. But that's, you know, poor management as well. You need to plan the exits of players 
before you uh, think about the arrivals. You know, Liverpool have just signed another midfielder, apparently from Scotland, and that's the end of their transfer business. That's how far ahead Liverpool have planned. I know Man City are planning to sign a right-back for next season. Um, they're already planning for 2023, um, and they're already, you know, trying to get these targets. Chelsea need to be a bit more proactive and less reactive, but they've always been reactive in the transfer markets and and it's you know it's made things really difficult and, and the contracts are part of that and and you know the stockpiling of talent's part of that. Um you know the other squads are a lot more slimline. So uh yeah I think that that's where Chelsea struggle. Um you know could it could it open up a gap to sign a midfielder like Declan Rice? That's what everyone wants to know. And uh yeah it, it, maybe it could maybe it could if Chelsea struggles to sign certain other players maybe they'll just be like you know what let's just go big for Declan Rice force him out of West Ham um and do it but it's a long way from that it's a long way from those decisions they're still plugging gaps they're still working out who they're selling them and loaning and stuff so um yeah it's it's a bit um it's a bit in flux look you you mentioned the name Naz so uh this is on you more than it is on us even though we were going to ask about it anyway but Declan Rice obviously a lot of interest on that front in terms of bringing him in also talk about how Todd Boldy wants to make, you know, a couple of statement signings this summer. He would definitely be that type of statement signing. I think at least, you know, from my perspective, maybe not everybody agrees with that. Um, what are your thoughts on not appearing in the kit announcement? Uh, you know, the fact that he is running down his contract, hasn't signed a new deal. West Ham losing a lot of their power in the negotiating position as it would be and realizing that if they don't do this now, they're going to run out of any opportunity to make any profit off of him. I think West Ham need to sell him in 12 months, but they could wait one more season. So that's the negative around this. And, you know, one of the one of the little clues about the situation is that Man City are trying to sign Calvin Phillips instead of Declan Rice because they need a defensive midfielder this summer. Um, you know, Fernandinho's contract's expired. Whenever I've talked about Declan Rice, whenever I've written about him, it's always been three clubs that are interested. And there's only three clubs that can really afford him because he's so expensive. Chelsea, Man United, Man City. Those three clubs have always followed Declan Rice. Like, he's a Chelsea fan. His family support Chelsea. Came from the academy. We all know that he loves, you know, he would he would be wel- he would welcome a move here. But West Ham are the problem. And they know they've got an unbelievable asset. They've they've got a choice really. Um, I think they would cash in at the right price this summer, but they can also wait, get Declan Rice for one last season, and then do it next summer. Um, and and Declan might not push that hard because he's got a Euros coming up as well. I mean, sorry, World Cup coming up, um, so that might work in their favour. So I've got a sense that he'll stay. Um, I really do, but. You know the money. What 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 money does in the transfer window is it forces things to happen, and Chelsea have the power to do that in this situation if they want to force it in. Let's see. I mean, the the to your point, West Ham have a lot of leverage. He's got two years left, and it looks like they have an extension for an additional year. Yeah, yeah, they do. They they kind of hold that leverage, and uh, you know, it seems like he's the one universally accepted player uh, transfer target that all Chelsea fans want. Uh, the skill set, the leadership. You know, we're talking about potentially losing Aspilicueta to captain and Jorginho vice captain. You know, and we've we've had a lot of conversations about potentially Mason and Reese filling leadership roles. Uh, obviously, Thiago's still there, but there is very much going to be a leadership vacuum if both Aspilicueta and Jorginho go. Rudiger's gone as well. We know how much he was a leader in the locker room. 
So Tuchel also has to kind of balance this in his squad as well. And some of those are kind of the intangible assets that drive value. You know, it's the same thing. He's 23 and uh, essentially, I think, vice captain of West Ham because Mark Noble was captain. But Mark Noble barely played. So for all intents and purposes on field, it's Declan at 23 leading a... Uh, a Premier League team who pretends to fight for Champions League uh, makes a little bit nervy for half a season and then they kind of settle back in. Um, there's just a, a lot of a, a lot of like strengths that he has. You know, he's even played a little bit of center back as well. You know, about him, Mason Reese. Now, all of a sudden, you know, and Chilwell, in, uh, Chelsea have this pretty strong English core. I mean, I think there's just a lot of different ways to angle and, and build at Naz, and it just seems that like time after time, it um, it looks good on paper. I mean, are we thinking 100 million upper, upper, lower, higher, lower? Um, probably around that fee. Probably about about 100 million. I think would do it. That's crazy. And know in top wages, or do you think he's not going to be the greediest when it comes to wages? You can't sign a player for 100 million and not give him top wages. So, 100 million uh, and then 65 yeah. grand a week. Please, <laughs> yeah. you love Chelsea. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think that will happen. But um, yeah, that's probably the kind of money we're talking. Um, West Ham aren't as, uh, you know, they've got this investment of a Czech billionaire behind them, but it remains to be seen. Um, I, th- I still think they need to be run like a business. It's not like in a, a Bramvich club type situation. So they um, they they will sell for a, a big fee. Um, they'll be more desperate next summer, but it's whether you want to get ahead of your rivals because, you know, um, other teams could come as well for competition. And uh, yeah. All right. Well, Dan, comprehensive. I think we exhausted the list. I think we, we've done we've gone through every ingredient that Chelsea is looking to add into the dish that is the 2022-2023 season a squad that Chelsea are looking to assemble. So, Naz, thank you, as always, for the comprehensive rundown and uh, giving the people what they want, information. Yeah, yeah, thanks. I, I think that, you know, when it comes to midfielders, just to drop one last bomb in there is that, you know, if... Bellingham is somebody Chelsea's always loved. So if they wait, then they could also switch to Bellingham. Um, so you never know. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, indeed, uh, lots of options, which is good. All right, everyone, go follow Naz on Twitter at Nisar Kinsella uh, on the old Twitter sphere. Uh, that way, you can catch all of his articles and all of the essentially just nonstop information release because it is that time of year. So, anyways, that's going to wrap us up. Hope you enjoyed it. Let us know on social media who you think we are signing and who we need to stay away from. As always, it's been fun. Until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.